Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So possible, maybe likely, that this coming week, the online harm bill may be introduced. Maybe Mr. Trudeau promised it for some time. They promised it before the 21 election. They promised it after the 19 election. It was supposed to be to protect kids. Here's a little bit of what the prime minister had to say. We need to make sure, and I think we can all agree, we need to protect our kids uh, online. Now, how to go about do that is a very careful balance. We need to make sure we're protecting freedom of expression. We need to make sure we're protecting uh, the freedoms and the rights of Canadians while we protect kids. That's why we've spent years working with different community groups, with advocates, with minority communities, with experts, with uh, people in, in all sorts of different backgrounds to make sure that what we're doing is actually protecting kids. And I look forward to putting forward that online, online harms bill, which people will see is very, very specifically focused on protecting kids and not on uh, censoring the internet as misinformation and as the right wing tends to try and uh, uh, characterize it as. Good grief. Good grief. Settle down. And learn how to breathe when you're speaking, Prime Minister. You've been in the gig for uh, nine years now. Learn how to breathe. It's, it's not that hard. It's not everything is a... Uh, there's a catastrophic development that's happening. You're telling people about an initiative that you've had in the works for years. Settle down. But he'll never <laughs> listen to my advice. We've been trying to get him on the show. Well, we, we're not trying anymore, by the way. We, we've given up trying to get the prime minister on this program. He tried from 2013 when he became the liberal leader and, and kept on going. Once we got reasonably close, his media people got back to me and said, oh, we'd be very interested. And then... They threw a bucket of cold water on that one. Anyhow, it is expected the federal government's long-promised online harm bill may be introduced as early as this coming week, right? So maybe as a bit of a distraction from the arrive can, I find it hard to even say that, the arrive can app, the 60, so far, $60 million boondoggle that even the Auditor General can't, um, chase down all those rabbit holes. There's also a, a Senate bill requiring age verification before explicit online material can be ex accessed. At least that's what they're saying. I think there's a lot more to this. And many experts and privacy ad advocates have deep concerns about what the, uh, what the government is doing and what the Senate is doing. David Fraser is one of Canada's leading privacy lawyers, international internet law expert, partner at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax and advises corporations and companies on internet law in this country and internationally. David, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Roy? I'm good. I'm, I'm so glad you're back on the show with us. It's, it's been a while. 
do you believe? Do we? Uh, oh, okay, is the is the internet? We know there are aspects of the uh, being online that are dangerous. A twelve year old boy killed himself in British Columbia last year after becoming uh, involved in sex online sexploitation. So there there are dangers online. But is it necessary? Is it, is an online harm bill needed? I'm I'm not sure that it is in fact needed. When you look at what was in their consultation paper that they floated a couple years ago, the they had different categories of content that they were trying to lump together, and although they're thematically similar, they're quite different. You had online sexual child sexual abuse material, also known as child pornography. Uh, you had the non-consensual distribution of intimate images, and so those are two categories that are relatively related, coherent, and are currently illegal. They were also looking to go after terrorism content, things that advocate terrorism, hate speech. Um, and those are the, the main problem with the proposal that they mooted, and it will be interesting to see how it's baked into a, a bill later this week, is to deal with the stuff that's lawful but awful. So child sexual abuse material, illegal, right, right out of the gate. That, uh, that it, there, there's already criminal code offense related to it. Same with the non-consensual distribution of intimate images. Sextortion has been an offense for a very, very, very long time. and But uh, in many cases, it hasn't been taken seriously enough by law enforcement. And I think one of the things that this is attempting to do is to delegate law enforcement to online service providers. So the police don't do enough to actively remove child pornography from the Internet. They prosecute people who are engaged in it, but very often it, it remains up and they don't adequately take steps to, to take it down. So what they're doing is that they're looking to create a, a regime in which anybody can flag anything as problematic. It has to be reviewed by the website within 24 hours. And if it should be taken down but isn't taken down, the company can be subject to penalties. And so what that, what that means is, if, if the bill looks like what, they're, what they mooted in their consultation paper, is that online service providers are going to do one of two things. They're going to just take it down because the risk of not taking it down is too high. So there will be a whole lot of legal content that will be removed because the company just doesn't have the resources or the time or the wherewithal or the interest in investigating further, or they're going to stop providing services to Canada. And we've already seen the consequences of that with respect to online news, with the Online News Act, and Facebook saying, look, we're not going <laughs> to... We're not going to play this game. Uh, we're going to remove this content from making it available in Canada. And I think that's, in a big picture sense, a, a significant thing that we should be worried about. And then you have the other contents related to terrorism speech and incitement to violence and hate speech. And certainly if you pay any attention online to the rhetoric around, for example, what's happening in Gaza and Palestine, um, both sides are calling each other terrorists and genocidists and things like that. And so any heated rhetoric related to that very important international relations, international affairs, that <laughs> human crisis that's taking place will be easily flagged as being either promotion of violence or terrorism and immediately removed. And so I don't know how the prime minister imagines that he can do what it is that he's talking about and still protect freedom of expression. And then since the consultation paper was, was tabled, there, most of the discussion around this actually has to do with misinformation. And it's like misinformation is completely legal in Canada unless you it's specifically used in connection with certain elections. 
And so that raises to a much higher level uh, interest related to freedom of expression that they really can't justify. And even if the government tries to delegate somebody else to take it down, it still engages the charter because it's the government who's telling them to do it. So, so the legislation, if I understand you correctly, the legislation really isn't necessary. They just need to do the, the commonsensical, which is what you've just been saying to us. They have the resources. They have the police to, uh, to uh, deal with um, violent terrorists or um, uh, sexploitation of children. They have the, uh, the, they have the law enforcement component to, uh, to address that. So we don't really need, if I understand you correctly, if I'm hearing you correctly, there, and let's, let's put quotation marks around the word need, we don't really need this legislation. Certainly, could it be useful in, in some areas? Oh, absolutely. And, and but I think one of the things is, is that this is addressing a gap that government has already created with respect to, in a lot of cases, the inaction of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And policing in these in these particular areas, and it's going to delegate to service providers who don't have the nuance. So, if if I had if I'm a, a researcher related to I don't know Middle Eastern terrorist organizations, and I have my own kind of online version of Wikipedia related to that material that I make available to researchers, in that context, there's nothing problematic with it. But if somebody just flags it, and, and somebody reviews it out of context, it's going to be taken down. And that, that could be a very important, useful resource. But if, if you actually had it, a situation or a service or a process where a complainant or the police would go to a court, their own provincial court, and convince the court that, yes, this is illegal content in, in the entirety of the circumstances, the court issues in order to get it taken down, every, every reputable service provider I know will then take it down. The problem is putting it on the service providers to try to determine, is this just awful but lawful or is this unlawful? And, and to make that decision within 24 hours with massive penalties if they screwed up. Mm-hmm. Now, now, one thing that, that, that has been discussed that I do think is a serious deficiency that could be addressed in something like this relates to deep fake pornography. That we, it, it's currently an offense under the criminal code to distribute an intimate image without the consent of the individual concerned. And at the moment, when, when it was drafted more than 10 years ago, they didn't contemplate synthetic, like completely synthetic pornography. And we saw in the Taylor Swift stuff, but we've also seen things that have been circulated in high schools and in different parts of the country where, you know, if it's deepfake, if it relates to somebody under 18, it's still child pornography. Uh, But I think that's one technology-facilitated or enabled gap uh, related to a significantly harmful uh, category content that could be addressed in legislation, could be addressed with a a one-page amendment to the criminal code. But, uh, but certainly they've been talking about um, this as a component of online harms. Okay. David, the, the Senate bill requiring age verification before explicit online material can be accessed. How does that work? How's that going to work? Well, it's interesting. It's been working its way through the process in the Senate for quite some time. It was pretty well under the radar, and then all of a sudden it got some traction after it was referred to the House. And so on its face, it sounds relatively straightforward. It says that it makes it illegal in Canada to make uh, sexually explicit material available to young persons via the Internet. And the only real defense to that is if you use a qualified and approved age verification method. And 
So on, on its face, that sounds like something that people can get behind, but it, it's really, it, it's actually quite poorly drafted and poorly constructed, and I'm not sure whether that's a mistake or whether that's on purpose. So making available includes even transmission. So it's not just that websites like Pornhub are going to have to make sure that you're an adult before providing you with access. Um, it, it goes down the chain. It could, could include your Internet service provider, for example. It could include a search engine that leads you there. Um, and so the, the ring of, of organizations that are potentially subject to it is huge. And that also means that the ring of organizations that will have to confirm the, the age of individuals before allowing them to use their services or a subset of them is also significant. And so when you look at, and, and so it's a, the, the, there's a whole bunch of privacy criteria that has to be met to be an approved verification method. And, and frankly, there isn't, there isn't one that exists at the moment that is privacy protective enough to fit the criteria of reliability, maintaining privacy that, that destroys any personal information collected. Australia recently looked at this, and France have looked at it, and, and they both said, you know, the technology isn't there yet in order to do this. And then kind of similar to the online harms thing is that it just takes the definition of sexually explicit material from the Criminal Code of Canada, where it's a very specifically created definition in order to deal with luring and grooming of, of young people. And so it's not the right definition. There is an exemption related to uh, kind of educational purposes but that's always in the eye of the, of the consumer. And so the, the tendency, just like in online harms, I'm afraid, is going to be to, to limit access. Um, and, you know, frankly, this sort of stuff, this sort of content is available on Twitter. This sort of stuff is on Reddit. This sort of stuff is actually in Wikipedia when it comes to educational content. But whether it's educational or not is, is going to be determined by some mm-hmm. bureaucrat yet to, be, yet to be named. And if an organization... If there are reasonable grounds to believe that they're doing this, the, the uh, CRTC porn police, I'm not sure who it's going to be, will send them a written notice telling them you have to do these things. And if they don't do those things, and there's no test to determine whether those things are reasonable, uh, the porn police can then go to the federal court and get an order requiring Internet service providers in Canada to block access to that service. And so we're talking about kind of the further balkanization yeah. or segmentation of, of the Internet How? and, and getting, getting used to that as an idea that, oh, well, Canadians will just kind of block off portions of the Internet and make it not available in Canada. Yeah, that's, it has become sort of a sidebar that you live with on a daily basis in this country. How is this type of legislation functioning in other countries? What are they doing? Well, so... So this is something that, that is of interest in a large number of countries. And, and certainly I, uh, I understand that the research tells us that, that young people have easy access to sexually explicit content online, and it can be problematic with respect to their personality development and their relationship development and things like that. So, so it, it's not, we shouldn't be surprised that, that a whole bunch of countries are, are looking at it. In the United Kingdom, for example, they have an online safety act, which has, which has other problems, but... One of the things that it does with respect to this sort of content is that there isn't this super high bar where the only way that you can that you can not be convicted of an offense under the legislation is by using government approved verification method. There are a number of different ways that it can be that it can be done, and it doesn't have to be foolproof. It just has to be reliable, and it also recognizes that it's that it should be intended intended to capture websites and services that essentially are porn sites rather than something like a library website, for example, 
that uh, that I can, through my local library, get access to you know completely mainstream media articles that might cross the line into uh, into that sort of thing, just based on on the discussion of the depiction. And frankly, there are books in in your public library right now that uh, that that. Uh, <laughs> That are available to young people. Uh, that, that, that sort of that sort of category. So other countries are looking at it in a more nuanced way, and, and kind of let's go after the bad stuff. But one of the things that that is also problematic is that one of the collateral consequences of this. And, and David, I'm I'm sorry, but I have thirty seconds. <laughs> so so if, if the good porn sites put up age restrictions. Uh, but the bad ones don't. Young people are going to go to the bad ones. Yeah. And so, what what's the what's the extended harm of that? And so, we need to be very careful about anything that purports to regulate the internet, and uh, and make sure that this, first is it necessary, and second, if it is, let's do it right. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.